And what's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Like a TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields. Got a jam-packed, busy show for you today. All over the playoff football, divisional weekend recap, and the conference championship games that are to be played on Sunday. I'll also recap the national championship game in college football that was played on Monday night. And I'll be all over the Astros getting the hammer. Dropped down on by Rob Manfred in Major League Baseball. I'll get to that later on in the show. But first things first, I got it. I'd be with. I know the best game of the weekend, and I know like the bigger story across. I guess the country. I guess you could say would be the how you know the Texans. How in the world do you choke a twenty-four point lead to Andy Reid of all people and Patrick Mahomes and this that and the other. But I'm going to lead with, go a little bit local, go a little local feel. Of course, I uh, am a Baltimorean, and I told you last time we uh, chatted that I was more looking forward to the Ravens and Titans game that was played last Saturday night rather than any other game, really, of the weekend. And boy, oh boy, what a game. Now, I could go this route. I could go to Stephen A. Smith trolling route and laughing and mocking the Ravens and everything. I could go that route, but I'm not going to. I'm going to look at this in a, and a I will and I'm going to break down and analyze this game and give you a, and give you an unbiased, objective opinion on this game. I I'd like to believe me, all you Ravens fans out there, I would love to mock and laugh and make fun of you all and troll y'all for a segment. But I'm not going to. Instead, what I'm going to do is break down the fact that the defense couldn't that the defense couldn't tackle Derrick Henry if their lives depended on it. I'm gonna get on the fact that the receivers Hayden Hurst, Nick Boyle, Willie Sneed, you name it, could couldn't you know catch a ball if if they if they if their hands were covered in Elmer glue, Gorilla Glue, and stick them all together. They couldn't catch anything but a cold Saturday night. Also getting to the fact that why in the world Harbaugh and the uh, and the offensive coordinator Greg Roman got away from what got the Ravens to that point and running the football. They abandoned the run because all of a sudden Mark Grant Ingram is suddenly you know Jamal Lewis, and if he ain't good in the game, you can Gus Edwards and say, uh, see you later. We'll have Lamar throw the ball fifty nine times. And while I'm also getting on this fact that Lamar turned over the football three times and he is zero and two in playoff games, not just playoff games, but zero and two in home. Playoff games. I will get to that right now. So first things first. Lamar Jackson totally lacked poise. I mean, your first your first sign that Lamar Jackson was going to have a rough night. The first sign that Lamar might it might not be his night tonight. The first sign. The very first sign in the game was when he threw an interception. Off the hands of Willie Sneed, he went to tackle the guy that made the interception, and he tried to wring his neck, and he got called for a 15-yard unnecessary roughness penalty. That was the first sign, the first, that things for the Baltimore Ravens were not going to go their way. Okay? The first sign. He was rattled in the game. He lacked Poise and this, I mean, and this, and I'm not going to say now, don't get me wrong, it was like the Charger game where 90% of the blame was on Lamar Jackson. Okay, so I, I give him a little bit of a break, I give him a little bit of a break, 
But let's be fair. Okay. Lamar Jackson was not, was not Johnny United in the game. I mean, let's call it like we see it. And everybody, you know, and every high school, every middle school, every elementary school, you know, college student, everything, you know, who, you know, who would know Johnny Unitas and Raymond Berry if they hit him upside the head with a snow shovel? You know, all all of them wanted to put Lamar Jackson in the Hall of Fame. Lamar Jackson's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Earl Thomas made sure to tell us early in the season that whoever we play in the Super Bowl in Miami, they were going to have to go through essentially a reincarnation of the 2000 Ravens with an electrifying offense. That was no way to be fair. And one other thing, one Earl Thomas. Okay, please, and, and that's another thing I want to get to. Earl Thomas. Okay, enough of him. Okay, this isn't Seattle. This isn't you know. I don't know Earl Thomas. If you need if you're stuck in a time warp, whatever the case might be. But ET three. Okay, it's not 2013. 2013 Legion of Boom with Seattle Seahawks. Pete Carroll, Marshawn Lynch. You know Russell Wilson with your buddy Sherman, Cam Chancellor, and you know Bobby Wagner and Michael Bennett. Okay, get out. Okay, you are not. You're a good player. Okay, but you are nowhere near the player that you were. Uh, you know, five years ago, f- five six years ago. I mean, I mean, can we call it like we see it with Earl Thomas, please? I mean, he's not even he's not the best player on his team. He's not the best player on his defense. He's not the best player in his secondary. Best player in his secondary, Marlon Humphreys. Okay, it's not Earl Thomas, and he should hit his knees every single night from now until next Sunday when the Pro Bowl comes around that he gets to make a trip to Orlando, Florida for the Pro Bowl because. He should have nowhere near been the Pro Bowl. He's not even the best player in his secondary. His secondary. And I got Earl Thomas bumping his gums and running his mouth. I mean, that that is tough to take. That That is especially tough to take. When he did nothing but spit the bit and just vomit all over themselves all game long. I mean, do I have to bring up the Derrick Henry j- jump pass, Tim Tebow, you know, circa 2000, you know, cir- circa 2008, 2000, whatever it is, do I have to bring that up? When the receiver was practically left wide open and it was Earl Thomas's guy to get, do I have to bring that up? Do I have to bring up the fact that Derrick Henry, who ran, who ran rampant all over the Ravens' defense, all over him, ran rampant all over him. And do I do I have to bring up the fact that Derrick Henry essentially shoved Earl Thomas to the side, shoved him 20 yards like a sack of potatoes, and then when Earl Thomas finally got his balance together and he turned around, Derrick Henry literally used him as a lead block to, to block his own teammates. Do I have to bring that up today? All I heard was all this talking from Earl Thomas, just that and the other. A guy who's done nothing since he left uh, Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. Yet, yet he's got the nerve to give them the finger when he's getting off the fi- when he's taking off the field in a stretcher in Arizona last year. And then I got him bumping his gums, running his mouth about Ravens Super Bowl this, that, and the other, as if the reincarn as if their defense is the reincarnation of the tw- of the two thousand defense with with Sharper, Ray Lewis, Tony Saragusa, you name all the guys. But clearly, going off of that, uh, that disgusting, pathetic, nasty, embarrassing defensive performance Saturday night, they are not. And can we take Wink Martindale out the Hall of Fame while we're at it? He is no Marvin Lewis, and he is nobody Ryan. Let's call it like we see it. That defense ran absolutely all over them, all over them. And then again, this is the, for the guys for the start. That was their first competitive game in three weeks. Three weeks. 
first competitive first game of note and of meeting since the Cleveland game the Sunday before Christmas. Okay? And your first game in two weeks. In two weeks' time. Yeah, two weeks to prepare for Tennessee. Two. Two weeks. And all I ever heard was how the Ravens held Derrick Henry under 75 yards rushing last year as if that meant something. Meanwhile, he's meanwhile he's pushing Stephon Gilmore, Kyle Van Noy, and all the members of the Patriots defense all over Gillette Stadium the Saturday night prior. Yet I got to hear about stats from last year. I mean, you got to be kidding me. When you had, again, first meaningful, competitive, worthy note game in three weeks and your first game in two weeks. You had a week off and you are home. And I got to sit up here and, and on a Saturday night, no less. So not only did you have the two weeks off, but you also had literally the entire day to prepare for Derek, Derek Henry. Would you expect that Ryan Tannehill was going to turn into Warren Moon or Steve McNair all of a sudden? I mean, give me a break. What, what, A.J. Brown is all of a sudden Kevin Dyson? I mean, come on. What, what do you think, Ryan Tannehill was going to win that game for you? I mean, did you watch the Patriot game the week before? John, Wink, Earl, did you watch the Patriot game the week before? You're, you're coming in there and everybody in America knows the Titans game plan on offense. Run it down your throat and have Derrick Henry run for a buck fifty and two touchdowns. And he, and he nearly ran for 200 yards on you. I mean, I mean, the joke's on me. I actually predicted the Ravens win the football game. I, I, I predicted them to win the football game. I predicted it. And I, heard my, and I had my heart set up on Kansas City, Baltimore, Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson in, a, in the AFC Championship game. And I got this, and I got that defense embarrassing themselves in front of America last Saturday night, with all the jawing and the talking they've done all season. And they didn't do a damn thing to back it up. No, neither. I got Earl Thomas talking about Super Bowl, yet he's getting freaking thrown around like a sack of potatoes by Derrick Henry, as if he's his field slave or something. I got him talking Super Bowl. Meanwhile, Derrick Henry is using him like as if he's some marionette puppet. Give me a break. And he's getting paid all that money. He's not even the best player on the secondary. Earl Thomas, sit down and shut up. This is not Seattle, okay? This is Baltimore. You're not the get out of 2013, 2014 and, and focus on 2019, 2020. Because that performance, you and the rest of your defensive compatriots uh put out there on Saturday night was an absolute disgrace. Letting Derrick Henry turn into freaking Jim Brown and just run all over you all. And don't get me wrong, Derrick Henry is a, is, a, is a phenomenal talent and an excellent football player, and he's a freak of nature. But come on now. 
You had two weeks to prepare. I give the I get at least give the Patriots a little bit of a break. They played a four twenty five game week seventeen. They got punched in the proverbial gut by losing to Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins, and had to stomach the fact that we aren't going to have a first round bye for the first time in ten years. And then the next week we had, we got to turn around and play and play a Titan team. With that, you know, with that running back, so I, I, you know, I get on the Patriots because they, you know, they, got, they got, they have the greatest coach in the history of the sport, and they couldn't stop a one-man band. But I get, but I even give them a little bit of, of a break because they didn't have a week off in between games. You guys had two weeks off, and majority of you of the members of that defense, it's been three weeks since your last meaningful game of virtue. And you sit up there at home, 14-2 team, number one seed in the AFC, coming off the best regular season that franchise has seen since 96, you know, in the history of the franchise. And I got you having Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill come up in there and absolutely flat out embarrass you. A 9-7 team. 9-7 They had to win the last game of the season to even make the playoffs. And you guys sit up here in front of America on primetime on a Saturday night at home, no less, in front of a sellout crowd and spit the bit. And I got to hear about, you know, big trust and buy your tickets to Miami. Give me a freaking break. And why in the world did Harbaugh break away from the run? What, what, Mark Ingram all of a sudden is, is you know... J- Jamal Lewis. I mean, why would you get away from the run? You got you got Gus Edwards there to get there to begin with. You know, Mark Ingram is isn't isn't the guy. You guys have multiple running backs in your in your roster that you that you've used all season long. What all of a sudden because Mark Ingram can't go in, in a playoff game? You know, we got to switch up the game plan and and put the ball in Lamar's hands and have him throw it sixty times. And he, t- and he turns over the football three times. Yeah, I got to hear about Lamar Jackson being the second coming of Johnny Unitas. And big trust this and big trust that. Buy a ticket to Miami, this, that, and the other. What a bunch of garbage. Losing to a Tennessee Titan team that didn't even clinch, the, that didn't even make the playoffs, didn't even know they were going to be playing into January until week 17. A nine and seventeen, and you guys are fourteen and two. You hadn't lost the game since that home game against Cle- against Cleveland, where where Nick Chubb ran rampant all over you. What a joke! I mean, what a choke job! And by the way, let's call it to see it. With Harbaugh, since the Ravens won their Super Bowl in 2012, do you realize that he has won one playoff game since? One. He's won one playoff game since the Super Bowl victory in 2012. One. He went 8-8-13. Eight eight he, he, beat, he beat Pittsburgh in 2014. Lost to the Patriots the next week. 2015... I'll give him a pass for because his team was was injury riddled to a pulp. Every everybody in their mother was on IR that season. Two thousand sixteen, do nothing. Two 
17, you have the heartbreak with the 4th and 12th and Tyler Boyd. Last year, you make the playoff. CJ Mosley gets the, gets the uh, division clinching interception. And Lamar spits the bid against Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. And then, and then 2019. What a disgrace. So, so again, I don't want to hear anything about Big Trust and Lamar the GOAT and all that other... And, and, yeah, shut up, please. Enough. Pipe down, okay? Until, and, and again, nobody in America cares, you know, about Lamar Jackson, you know, come come next fall. No one in America is going to give a crap about Lamar throwing for, you know, 275 and three touchdowns and running for two against the hapless Washington Redskins in Landover, Maryland in the middle of October. Nobody gives a crap. I don't care, and the and the and the sports fan and the sports fan who likes who's you know who wants to see results, it doesn't get all caught up in the hype uh, and, and present of the moment and all that crap. They don't care either. Here's here's all you need to know: Lamar Jackson zero two in playoff games. And you know what the scary th- and you know what the scary thing is: he's lost when he's played Wild Card Weekend, and he's lost when he's had the week off. And he's also lost in his own building twice. You know what Ben Roethlisberger did in his second year in the league? He won a Super Bowl. You know who's also 0-2 in their first two years in the league? You may have heard of him. Andy Dalton. Enough enough with with the Lamar, please. He was totally rattled, and the team was a bunch of zombies that was just wandering around the stadium. Just, I mean, you were waiting, and hopefully, just, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, all right, well, you know, I was waiting. I mean, I predicted that the Ravens were going to come out slow to the half, but I was expecting in the third quarter, when were the Ravens going to wake up? Like, hello, you, you guys there? Anybody home? Hello. Anybody home? When, when's the alarm clock gonna go off? When is you know look you know the eh, eh, I mean I was waiting for that. It worked for the, I mean it worked for the Chiefs. How come it didn't work for you guys? How come it didn't ring off for you guys? What a joke! And and one other thing, one other thing. And I know you you people out on Twitter, and you know who you are. You know, who blew up my Twitter page all last weekend, you know, called me all sorts of names. You know nothing about football and all that nonsense, you know, because how dare you say that Mike Tomlin isn't, isn't a Hall of Fame coach. Can you shut up, please? Can you, can, can you shut up and put, and, put, and put a sock in it, please? Can you shut up? Okay? Please. Okay, it's the Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame means you got to be an all-time great. Landry, all-time great. Walsh, all-time great. Noel, all-time great. Lombardi, all-time great. Shula, all-time great. Lombardi, did I say Lombardi? Um, Belichick, all-time great. Mike Tomlin is not a Hall of Famer. He's not. And don't give me the garbage about well he's never had a losing set. He's gone eight and eight three times in his career. I mean, can 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 we can we cut the bull crap, please? I mean, isn't that kind of cheating going five hundred three times? Well, he's never had a lose. He's never had a losing set. He's gone eight and eight three times in his career for Christ's sakes. Well, well, look what he did 
with a you know what what quarterback what what receiver uh what 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 running back do you have to work with? Well, that's his fault. He knew that he knew that they were trading Antonio Brown. He should have found someone to replace him. Juju Smith Schuster is not a number one receiver. I'm sorry, but he but he just doesn't. Get in place, Antonio Brown. You put all your you put all your eggs in one basket, expecting that Connor, what he did last year, was going to be the norm. Newsflash: It is not. And you, and you had an old Big Ben, and you went back and forth between Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. So I, I don't want to hear well, look what we did with his roster. You can say that you know you know what you know what would have been an a an an appropriate uh you know outcome of that. You 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 know where you, when you could have had you know something to stand on with that argument. If the Steelers were playing New England two weeks ago, and not the Tennessee Titans, who outside of who outside of AJ Brown and Derrick Henry don't have much home to write about either, on offense. They got one player. They got one. They got one player, a decent receiver, and a quarterback who's a who's a Miami Dolphin reject. Okay, let's not act like the Tennessee Titans are the are the ninety nine version with Eddie George, uh, Steve McNair, and Kevin Di- and Kevin Dyson at wide at, at receiver. I mean, come on. And and Mike Tomlin is not not a Hall of Famer. I'm so, he's not. Okay. You know, how how can you be a Hall of Famer when in this past decade, the twenty tens decade, it's a, it's gone as follows. You made the Super Bowl. And lost to Green Bay in 2010. Okay. 2000, 2011, you made the playoffs and you got absolutely ambushed by Tim Tebow and Demarius Thomas in the Broncos and lost in the first play of overtime in 2011. Okay. 2012 and 13, when 8 and 8 back to back missed the playoffs. 2014, you lost at home to the Ravens. And when you won your division, 2015, if it had not been for Jeremy Hill fumbling the football and ref ball with calling a personal foul on Adam Jones rather than the Steelers bench for allowing that moronic jerk and and that 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 uh, that squealing chipmunk looking jerk and Joey per- Porter allowing him to basically waltz in out there and troll the Bengals when the injury was to an offensive player. If it had not been for ref ball of that and Adam Jones losing it on an official, plus Jeremy Hill fumbling the football late, which I'm still pissed off about all these years, you know five years later, then the Steelers would have lost that game. But they won that game by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin. And then they went on next week and lost to Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos. 2016, they go to the AFC, you know, they 2016, they beat the they beat the Chiefs, who had absolutely no bit who had who the Steelers had absolutely no business losing to, but because of Eric Fisher basically put James Harrison in a chokehold late in the game and what would have been the uh the Chiefs game tying drive 
it was the two-point conversion was nullified. The Steelers won the game, went on to New England, and got their heads bashed in like they always do by the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. And they lost that game in 2016. And who can forget 2017 when they talked all that crap about getting back in New England and they let Blake Bortles and Leonard Fournette come into Heinz Field and for the second time that season absolutely flat out embarrassed them on their own turf and and Blake Bortles had the game of his life a tape that he will and if he he'd tell you this too I mean I don't know Blake Bortles you know I don't know him you know I don't know him of course but I guarantee if if he was sitting right next to me and I'd ask him would you he would he he'd tell you guys all you guys out there in podcast land he he wouldn't lose the if it was a burnt, if his house was on fire, he'd made sure that he had that he'd had some something or somewhere some kind of access to that tape where he absolutely torched that disgusting, god awful Steeler defense in that playoff game in 2017. Now, Mike Tomlin is a quote unquote defensive guy, so please. And, and who can forget 2018 when he had a 95% chance to make the playoffs come Thanksgiving and they absolutely flushed it all down. The drain, losing the teams that they had no business losing to, choking, choking a lead to the Chargers at home, choking, you know, playing down at a competition against the Raiders on the road. Ben Roethlisberger is, is probably still stuck in the Oakland Coliseum uh, visiting locker room. And who can forget when Ben Roethlisberger had that bonehead asinine interception late in the game against the Broncos last year? Juju Smith fumbles in the Saints game, and and. Even though they beat my Bengals week 17, it wasn't enough because the Ravens caught fire late in the season last year and they came and they came up from the dead and completely stole the division from the Steelers when they had a 95% chance around the, around Thanksgiving time of of them making the playoffs and winning the division. So I don't want to hear Hall of Fame. You went you've gone 8 and 8 three times in this decade. You talked all that smack about getting back in New England and you lost to Jacksonville of all teams on your home turf with the week off. And you had that epic collapse in 2018 down the stretch. Mike Tomlin, repeat, is not, and one more time, is no way, shape, or form, not yet. He has to win one more championship. But as of right now, January 2020, he is not, repeat, is not a Hall of Fame head coach. It's not. And anybody who argues with me, whether it be on Twitter, in person, or whatever the case might be, and anyone who tells you otherwise does not know their ass from their elbow. Quick break, I get to the other defensive, or excuse me, divisional round playoff games right after this. Welcome back to my Tell Like a TIS podcast. And one other thing on the Tomlin on the Tomlin Twitter beef. I mean, Adam Jones. I love Adam, but if 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 Adam if Adam thinks that 
I mean, I, I love Adam Jones, one of my favorite Orioles of all time, an excellent human being, ex- excellent humanitarian and philanthropist and everything else, and not a bad baseball player as well. But, I mean, it, come on, Adam. I got Adam tweeting me. Let me let me see if I read you the tweet. I mean, this this was funny. Adam Jones tweets me at late on, or not late, but on Sunday night, I say I reply to you know because Tory Smith put out a put out a tweet and he said said this guy doesn't get enough credit you know he's gonna he's gonna go into the Hall of Fame and this guy doesn't get, get enough credit I reply and I say he ain't a Hall of Fame coach straight up Tory Smith replies and says if Bill Cowher is he is I like Bill by the way well let me let me address this well and Bill Cowher of course you know got the you know the Santa Claus looking like fella with the red sport coat on came up to the coward and shook his hand, you know, during the pregame of the NFL today, last Saturday night. Well, Bill Carr isn't a Hall of Fame coach either, okay? He's, I believe he's 2-4 and four in AFC Championship games, okay? I mean, Cowher has, lo- Cowher has lost to bigger no-names and nobodies in the you know in the history of the national in the national football league i mean listen listen to all of the listen to all these players that listen to these teams that bill Cowher lost to at home mind you in conference championship games okay nineteen ninety four they went twelve and four and went to the a f c championship game okay L- listen listen they lost to the charges okay listen listen to the players that are on this team listen they Stan Humphreys was their starting quarterback. Okay? Stan Humphreys. Running back. Rodney Culver. Ronnie Harmon. Natrone Means. Wide receivers. Sean Jefferson. Tony Martin. Mark Say. Johnny Barnes. I mean... I mean... The, the, I mean... The, it's not like the 94 Georgia team had Lance Allworth... Had Lance Allworth and Johnny Unitas on it. I mean... I mean, they lost to the, they lost to the San Diego Chargers at home, in many a championship games. They lost they in the, they lost to the Cowboys in Super Bowl. They lost to the Cowboys in Super Bowl Thirty. Okay, nine ninety six. They lost to Parcells and the Patriots. I mean, he's lost many a playoff games uh, and many uh, and many a home uh, championship games. I mean, in in ninety, I think it was ninety seven, they lost to they lost at ninety seven they lost to Elway. I mean, in ninety ninety eight, ninety nine and eight, excuse me, ninety eight they went seventy nine and didn't even make them qualify for the playoffs. I mean, come, I mean, come on now. I mean, Bill Cowell, Hall of Fame coach, nineteen ninety nine, they went six and ten. Two thousand nine and seven didn't qualify for the playoffs. Two thousand one went thirteen and three and lost to the and lost to the Patriots at home. And Bledsoe, Brady didn't play in the game. Bledsoe did. Lost to Drew Bledsoe at home. They lost. They lost to the Titans in the division round in two thousand and four. Or two thousand two, excuse me. Two thousand three, they went six and ten, didn't make the playoffs. Two thousand four, lost to the Patriots at home in a championship game again. I mean, come, I mean, come on now. And they won in two thousand and five, 
mostly because of the fact of the egregious ref ball that occurred when they played the Seahawks. I mean, I mean, can we? I mean, can we? Cower, I mean, Cower's a nice guy. I understand he hasn't had like the best. Of, he hasn't, you know, he's gone through a little rough patch in, the, in his life because his wife passed away and everything else. You know, I understand that. I get all that. Bill Cower's a good human being, and you know, he gets that fire and brimstone. But Bill Cower's not a Hall of Fame coach in any circumstances. He won one Super Bowl, and that was late, and that was later in his career. He lost championship games to a no-name Charger team, a team that you couldn't pick out of a lineup, lost to Elway, and lost to the Patriots twice in a three-year period. He ain't a Hall of Fame coach under any circumstances. So that that that's rebuttal to Tory Smith. And I tweeted back, I said, Kyrie ain't a Hall of Fame coach either. I'm just talking, I'm just making my point about Tomlin. And Adam Jones, I'm not going to unfather you because you're an excellent human being. You're a good person, one of my favorite worlds of all time, and I love you. So I'm not going to unfather you. And what I said isn't BS. My, take your emotions and your feelings and Black Power and Rooney. Take all that out. Take all of your emotions out of it. Be objective. I like Tomlin too. But he ain't a Hall of Fame coach. Not yet at least. He has to win one more championship before we can enshrine him into Canton. But he ain't won yet. Not not when he uh, not when he let Blake Bortles come into his building with the week off in a home playoff game and get absolutely embarrassed, or the, or the collapse down the stretch in two thousand eighteen, or losing to Tim Tebow in twenty eleven, or going eight and eight in back to back seasons two thousand twelve two thousand thirteen, and losing to the Ravens at home in a playoff game. He he he's he's not a Hall of Fame coach. I'm sorry, but but he just doesn't. Switching gears now to the other playoff games that occurred across the National Football League. Uh, let's do with the first game on Saturday, and then I'll go to the Sunday games. Uh, Vikings and Forty ers I mean, what do you expect? I mean, did anybody expect that Kirk Cousins going to walk into Santa Clara? And and beat and beat the red hot San Francisco Forty ers I mean, did anybody think that? I mean, not not a chance, not a chance, not a chance in the universe. I mean, they got a cut. I mean, thirteen, thirteen in the second quarter, third and fifteen, and the Vikings run it at their own seven yard. I mean, that that was a terrible, terrible play call on the part of the Vikings' offensive play call. I mean, that uh, third and fifteen going, you're going up against that, you're going up against that team with with, and they've been absolutely on fire all season long, and you run it at your own seven yard and third and fifteen. I don't say you don't want to risk a safety, but that that's pretty much waving a white flag. And in a playoff game, you can't you can't coach and manage a game like that under any circumstances. Vikings' running game was non-existent throughout the entire game. You know. You, uh, Delvin Cook, Dal, excuse me, Dalvin Cook was nowhere to be found. Uh, I mean, just absolutely underwhelming perform- performance all around. He scored one touchdown the entire game. That was in the, that was in the first quarter. I mean, I mean, it was absolutely terrible. Dalvin Cook had nine carries for eighteen yards. That's all he did in the entire game. Running game was not once again non-existent. Thielen and Diggs didn't show up in the receiving core either. Meanwhile, defense let Tevin Coleman run all over him with 22 carries, 105 rushing yards, and two touchdowns. 
uh, rushes. Garoppolo played decent enough just to, you know, played decent enough just to, you know, get his team home. But he, and I'll tell you, he won't be, he won't have to play like, he has to be ultra aggressive when he plays Aaron Rodgers on Sunday. But I get to that later on in the show. Kirk Cousins, you know, when he throws interceptions and moments like this, you're not going to win the game. And the Vikings were always, always, I swear, outside of that touchdown drive in the first quarter, every single time to turn around, the, the, it was three and out, and the Vikings were punting. I mean, lack of first downs, lack of first downs in a game. I mean, it was just an absolutely pathetic, embarrassing performance on the part of the Minnesota Vikings. They got seven first downs the whole game compared to the 49ers, 21. I mean, that's that's all you need to know. So that's the so that's the so that's the that's that's the Vikings story. Uh, switching to Sunday with the Texans and with the Texans and the Chiefs, the Chiefs had to basically come back from the dead and basically do what the Ravens should have did Saturday night and show some guts and show a little bit of moxie, whatever you want to call it, and come back when they were down twenty four nothing at home to the Texans and rally and won by twenty points and won fifty one thirty one. And, you know, at home in the playoffs, which in their recent history, the Chiefs have not done well in playing in home playoff games. Andy Reid, though, continues his nice little record with uh, with with winning with winning football games after they get the week off. Patrick Mahomes was unbelievable in the game. 23 for 35, 321 passing yards and five touchdown passes. Uh, and Travis Kelsey, what a what a game he had! I mean, and and nobody could cover him. Absolutely nobody. He was wide, wide open every single time he turned around. Ten receptions, one hundred and thirty four receiving yards, and three touchdown passes. DeAndre Hopkins had nine receptions, one hundred and eighteen receiving yards, and Deshaun Watson was thirty one fifty two, three hundred and eighty passing yards and two touchdowns. I mean, the Houston defense, absolutely. And all I heard was J.J. Watt this, J.J. Watt that in the Bill game. And he was nowhere, absolutely nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found in the game. I mean, did, did he even plan the game? He didn't He didn't have a tackle. He didn't have a sack. I mean, did, did he even play? He was absolutely nowhere to be found. And that defense absolutely spit the absolute bit against the Kansas City Chiefs. And they are sent home until fall of 2020. Uh, last game of the evening and last game of uh, divisional round weekend was the Seahawks and Packers where, and I don't want to hear, and, you know, first down, not for, the Packers would have won the game anyway. The thing, the here's what killed the Seahawks in that game. And they were, they were two third downs that they had to get the Packers offense off the field if they wanted to give Wilson a shot to win the game. And they could not do it. That's all you need to know. Two opportunities to get the Packers off the field, third down, and the defense straight up could not come through. Russ Wilson did what he could, 21-31, 277 passing yards and a touchdown pass, but it, it, was, it wasn't enough. When your, def, when your defense can't get Aaron Rodgers off the field and allow Devontae Adams to, be, you know, to basically run rampant all over your defense with eight receptions, 160 receiving yards, and two touchdown receptions, you ha, I mean, you ha, you ha, your chances of winning are slim to none. And the Seahawks' woes at Lambeau continue. 
Speaking of continue, we'll continue with more of the Amtelica TIA's podcast right after this. Welcome back to Mattel Like a TIS podcast. Switching gears now from the NFL to college football in their national championship game that was played on Monday night. So, uh, for, for before I get to before I get, before I get to the game, and also and this I'm going to touch on that Annie Astros just to let you guys be aware. Well, I mean, I got a couple things I want to get off my chest before I, you know, get to the game. Okay, first off, the game starts the eight twenty kickoff on a Monday night. Really, I mean, well, we've been sitting there all weekend from Saturday afternoon at four thirty to essentially ten o'clock. You know, when Aaron Rodgers and the Packers had to nail down against the Seahawks on Sunday night. Do we need to have an eight twenty kickoff after we've been watching playoff football from Saturday afternoon to Sunday night? Do we have to have an eight twenty kickoff for the national championship game? Please, I mean, can you can you make it? Earlier in the night. Is that too much to ask? 7.30 or 7 o'clock? You got to have the... If you want to keep it and do this asinine thing, putting a game, a sport that that owns a day of the week, Saturday, and it's not, this isn't hockey, this isn't football, excuse me, this isn't hockey, this isn't basketball, this isn't baseball, where they play, you know, during, during the work week. You know, game game one of the NBA Finals starts on Thursday, and game one of the World Series is on a Tuesday night. It's it's not like those three sports. This is football, where the games and and where the games are played on weekends. Okay, the NFL does not have. How would it feel if the NFL, if and if Goodell decided to have their Super Bowl, you know the the Monday night after the NBA All Star Game? Just using it as an example. If they, on the Monday night after the NBA All-Star game. Okay, college football is a Saturday, it belong it owns Saturdays. In the, from, from August to New Year's. It owns Saturdays in America. Owns them. I, I know. I, I went, I went to South Carolina. The team was awful, but the, but hey, the team was awful and it was, and it was cold as can be. But people, but people showed up. At that night, at that ninety thousand stadium that's been sitting there since the nineteen thirties, the team the team was awful. Got absolutely ambushed by Appalachian State, but the people show up. It owns Saturdays, owns them. 
owns them. It's a Saturday event. So why move a Saturday event to a Monday? What, so ESPN, you know, can still have the have the quote get the quote unquote Monday night rating that they that they you know that they lose for two weeks because because of the end of Monday night football. I mean, give me a break. That that put the have the game played on Saturdays. Period. I don't care how you have to do it. I don't personally. I don't care how you have to do it. You're a billion dollar company, NCAA. You guys have you have guys that work for you that are high, way more educated and make far more money and have way more power than I do. You figure it out. That ain't that isn't my responsibility. That's yours. So somehow, some way, in between New Year's Day and essentially. The you know essentially the in between New Year's Day or the Sunday before Dr. King Day, find a way to get the national championship game on Saturday. Find a way. I don't care, and it's not my issue. Okay, you guys, you guys are a billion dollar company that makes money hand over fist. You figure it out. I shouldn't have to, an amateur sports talk show host, screaming and yelling on a podcast that 17 people listen to. I shouldn't. That's not my responsibility. That's yours. Somehow, someway, get the freaking game on Saturdays. I don't care how you have to do it, but do it. And if you're going to have it on Mondays, can you move up the starting time 80 minutes, please? Would it, would it kill you? You know, to move the national championship game up at, up at 7 o'clock at night. And don't sit up here and say, well, can the California person watch the game? California doesn't. As soon as the Rose Bowl is over, California could give a crap about college football. Could give a crap. Once once the Rose Bowl's finished on New Year's Day, or unless UCLA or, or Cal or USC, California washes its hands with, with football. Especially this time around because, because the chart, unlike last year, the Chargers and the Rams aren't in, aren't in the NFL playoffs. So it's, so it's, so it's LeBron, AD, and Kawhi. That, and, 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 did, and did the Dodgers get screwed with, with the Astros scenario with stealing signs? I'll get to that later on in the segment. But still, get the, if you keep it on Monday, which you should not, but if you, for some ungodly reason, feel like you should keep the game on Monday, then do us all a favor and have the starting time at 7 o'clock. That's item number one. Item number two. Do I have and don't give me and I'm try, I know I understand it's a sports show and I understand with the with the way America is you know you you talk about Trump people getting you know it's a dicey touchy subject and people getting their feelings and get their feelings hurt I understand it and I am not a Trump guy myself by any stretch and now and as I said I don't want my Twitter blown up by a bunch, you know calling me a libtard and you know and calling me a nasty liberal and a Democrat and all that other bullcrap okay I'm a I'm independent there's some things i'm conservative about there's some things i'm liberal about but i can assure you i don't really care for our 45th president and donald john trump senior that's just the way it is that's my opinion doesn't necessarily have to be yours and you're not and you're not necessarily a terrible person if you if that if you you know are, are for you know if if you are if you support donald trump but having said that And I and I have no problem with him 
and his missus showing up at the game. No problem with it. What I have a problem with is that the fact they introduce him before we get to the national anthem. We have a, a, a standing ovation for five minutes coming out of the coming out of the tunnel. You know, for you know, and we get we have him coming out the tunnel waving. All right, fine, but we got to have Donald Trump stop at basically three different increments before he has to log his old log his old overweight behind up. And stand shoulder to shoulder with with the color guards, you know, at the at the at the twenty yard line. I gotta have them stop thirty nine different times and wave and wave and 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 blow kisses to the you know to the crowd across the Superdome. I gotta have them stop three different times you know, before he even gets to the ten yard line when he when he comes out. The, I gotta have them stop and wave and 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 blow kisses and say Trump twenty twenty and make America wait again and all that other nonsense. Trump, can, can get your ass to where it's supposed to be so you can get set up, get lined up, and so we can be ready and get on with the pregame ceremony so we can get to this dopey game so I can go to sleep. Okay, the game is a marathon as it is. College, the game, the college football game is a marathon as it is. It's four hours long. Okay, SEC on CBS game starts at three thirty. The da- the damn thing isn't over until seven fifteen. It takes forever. These championship games, these bowl games, they take forever. I don't need, nor should I have to watch with my own two eyes, the President of the United States taking 30 minutes to line up with the color guards prior to the National Anthem being played. And then when the color guards start, you know, marching on with their uniforms and everything, I gotta have Donnie basically log behind them, you know, five, five yards behind. Can you move it, please, so we can get on with the program? Can can you can you do that? The game takes long enough as it is. It's on a Monday night in January after we've watched playoff football from Saturday afternoon to Sunday night. Can you can you move it along for me, please? Can you move it along, please? And another thing, get rid of the dopey targeting ejection penalty. I understand if it's egregious a la Vontes Perfect. I can understand if it's Miles Garrett taking the helmet off and bashing it up, up upside somebody's head. I understand that. But when but when you can clearly see that his intent was not to make helmet to helmet contact, he should not deserve to get an early shower in the first quarter of a national championship game. Get rid of the dopey targeting ejection rule and put and put the games on earlier if you're if you're going to keep it on a monday and if not put the freaking thing on on saturday and find a way to figure it out so you're not so you're not um you know getting it configured with the nfl playoff schedule now to the game itself the lsu tigers as i predicted won the game Won the game by the final score of 42-25. The man, Joe Burrow, Lord willing, future Cincinnati Bengals is going to save this, save our disgusting franchise. It's 31-49. Threw for 463 yards, five touchdown passes. Was absolutely phenomenal to watch. All you Bengals fans out there, for me and all you all that live in the Cincinnati area and in northern Kentucky, whether you've been a Bengals fan all your life or if you're just starting to root for the team, I mean to tell you, but it, 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 the excitement 
was just building and you were foaming at the mouth watching that performance. The, the LSU Tigers. Oh my gosh. Joe Burrow. What a performance. And let me tell you right now. This quarterback, if we don't screw him up, if God forbid something happens in between now and April, he could be the guy that could save us. He could be the guy to save us. He could be the guy. Kid Edwards had 16 carries for 110 yards. Chase had nine receptions, 221 receiving yards, and two touchdown receptions. Jefferson had nine receptions for 116 yards. But that's not the point. Watching that performance on Monday night, it gave us Bengals fans hope. And maybe, just maybe, he's the guy that could save us, us Bengals fans, from the abyss of this traumatic, disgusting failure. Take a break. And we'll get to the Astros. I have plenty to say about them. And we'll and I'll discuss it right after this. Welcome back to Matilda like a TIS podcast. Switching gears now to Major League Baseball, an item of conversation that I have not brought up as a subject on this show in quite some time. But I have to and I will because the Houston Astros of the American League West that have appeared in two out of the last three World Series winning the American League Championship, uh, the hammer was brought down on them by Major League Baseball earlier this past week for stealing for stealing signs in and of its in and of itself. Um I mean, first off, props to Major League Baseball. Okay. Uh they, you know, it took them a little while cuz the athletic story came out in November. It's uh, you know, January, so at least they got it done prior to spring training when it all blew over and we were all distracted uh with other things, but uh they but give props to Rob Manfred. He took care of business. Uh, he, he took care of business, and the result was Major League Baseball fined the Astros five million dollars. They lost their first and second round draft picks in two thousand and twenty and two thousand and twenty one. And Jeff Lunau and AJ Hinch, the GM and the manager, are suspended for the entire. 2020 season but wait there's more once the punishment came down Jim Crane who it's obvious because Major League Baseball did a full-on investigation and Major League Baseball did not find Astros owner Jim Crane guilty so Crane I guess is one of those guys who's just involved with the business and lets the baseball guys take care of the uh, baseball stuff <clears throat> uh, Jerry Jones I'm talking to you uh, so he basically was like, well, this is embarrassing. I'm embarrassed. My fan base is embarrassed. This is, this is a disgrace 
to the sport and a, a disgrace to a franchise. Jeff, AJ, you're out of here. So they both so they both got the pink slip and hit the unemployment line via the owner Jim Crane. So and that was the punishment. Rob Manfred uh did not want to take on the players association, so no players were you know, no punishment was handed down particularly to the players of that 2017 roster. But because the uh, Manfred doesn't want to have to deal with the Players Association and getting into fights with them and arbitration and all and all and it gets messy. Plus they're plus they're near the end of of the collective bargaining agreement and they're gonna and so they kind of want to butter up to the Players Association so they get a good bar, good collective bargaining agreement done come the next CBA in about two three years down the line. I disagree. With me personally, I would have th- thrown the book at the. I would have. Fought on, I would have taken on, I would have fought the Players Association, and I would have made sure that every single one of those players, from Altuve to Verlander, who never shuts up, I would have made sure every single one of those players would have felt my wrath and would have been suspended. Suspended and depending on how and if you do it again and if I catch you doing it i.e. in 2018 with the wire scenario and the buzzing he kicked out of the sport bottom line kicked out of the sport bottom line no questions asked nothing else that's how I'm rolling and so if I was Manfred I would have went after the players but I see his reasoning I disagree with the reasoning but I see but I see his reasoning behind it now that that's that Cora, who was a bet, who who his team right now is under investigation for illegally stealing signs via electronics in two thousand in their two thousand and eighteen championship season. They're under investigation, and Cora was also linked to the twenty seventeen crap with the Astros. So he he's been he's out of there. Uh, John Henry, the Red Sox owner, gave him the pink slip, and he has hit the unemployment line and will no longer manage for the Boston Red Sox and won't in 2020. Carlos Beltran, who was a player for the Astros, basically public opinion had to basically force the Wilpons and GM Brody Van Wagenen to push Beltran out the door, and he is out of there before he even manages a game. So the Red Sox, the Mets and the Astros are on the look for managers to manage their team for 2020 and beyond. And all th- not so much the Mets because, you know, the Mets is a little different, but particularly the Astros and the Red Sox. But more importantly, the Astros. The Astros need a manager, okay? Need a manager that's going to get in there, no farting around. You know, the buck stops with him. And and isn't going to tolerate this nonsense. They try to pull it off one more time. Manage, the manager, for once for all, is going to say, "You know what? Enough of this crap," and and give these players a stern talking to, and say, "This this illegally stealing sign scenario, this cheating crap, will stop right here and right now." And I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about Will Venable. I'm not talking about, you know, some young, you know, some some young 42-year-old that they're going to get off the street because they don't want to pay him. That's going to be a yes man to the to the to the to the GM and the assistant GM and it's going to, you know, be lovey-dovey with the players. Uh-uh. I'm talking about veteran guys. Buck Showalter will not tolerate it. Dusty Baker will not tolerate it. Guys like that who've been around the block 
and have experience of managing in Major League Baseball. That is the bottom line. That's it. They need. They don't need no young guy to come in there and you know and smile in the face and be a yes man. They don't need that. They need a guy who's going to put his foot down and put it into this nonsense. Now, having said that, where in the world are the Astros players? Where are they? Where are they? Ver Ver Verlander, Bregman. Where are the Astros players? Okay. Where are the players? Okay. Verlander never shuts up, okay? I got I to sit up here and li put up and listen to Justin Verlander, give you his thoughts on the team signing Roberto Osuna, give us his thoughts on, on how he feels about domestic violence, and, you know, and, and get, you got to hear Verlander's thoughts about everything under the rainbow, but yet when it comes to something involving him and his team getting caught red-handed cheating, he's silent. Where is he? Where is he? I, I, I don't give a crap about what he has to say about Roberto Osuna. I don't give a crap about what he has to say about domestic violence. And I personally don't give a crap about him being a, a flat-out narcissist and being a uh, and showing uh, dictatorial uh, natures, liking of a dictator, by basically kicking out members of the Detroit Free Press because they didn't like what he had to write about him. That's the fir First Amendment freedom of speech in the United States Constitution, you jack-off. What, what you ain't kicking people out because you don't like what he had to say. You're a grown man, been playing baseball for professionally for nearly 20 years, and you're, little, and you're getting your panties in a twist because you don't like what some writer writes about you. Really. You're that thin-skinned of a human being, and that thin-skinned and mentally weak as an athlete. And she, they, they, really? Well, how dare you write something bad about me? I'm just a villain. Screw you. Who, do, who the heck do you think you are? But where are you, Justin? Where are you? I got to sit there and listen to, listen to your thoughts and everything underneath the sun and, I, and, and everything that has nothing to do about your job and what you do on the mound in between the white lines. Yet when it comes to, yet when it's something that has to do with you and your team specifically and personally, I hear absolutely nothing from you. Okay? The punishments were handed down Monday. It is Saturday. Where the heck are you? Where is Justin Verlander? Where is Alex Bregman? Who every single time you turn around, you can't get him. You can't get a microphone or a camera out from, from his face like he's Dean Martin or somebody. Trolling a Valdi on Instagram in the Red Sox series. I mean, oh, give me a freaking break. Where is Guriel? Where is Correa? Bouncing around with his dopey fiance, proposing, cutting off J Ken Rosenthal. I got sipping and stomach that crap at twelve thirty in the morning at Dodger Stadium when I got to see the trophy presentation. And I got and I got this Muppet acting like America gives a gives a damn about him proposing to his dopey girlfriend. And you know, after the post game, Game Seven of the World Series, and it just won. I got I got to put up with him. I got to put up with Josh Reddick, you know, who, who thinks he's WWE. Uh, where where's he? Where 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 are these guys? Where are these guys? The punishment was handed down Monday. It is Saturday. 
what the hell is taking you guys long? And I don't want to hear the crap, and I don't want to hear any excuses about, well, he's on some godforsaken island in the middle of the Caribbean or, or bouncing around Florence, Italy. I don't care, personally, and I don't want to hear it. No excuse. These are million-dollar athletes. They can pay the extra for the internet, and I'm and there's and I'm guarantee wherever they are, there's probably some decent cell service that they can that they can put on, you know, record a twit a two a two minute twenty second Twitter video and upload it, or get or get one of the social media guys or the Asian guys back, you know, back on the mainland of the United States, you know, to you know to cut something up and have them say it for them. I've heard absolutely nothing from him. Nothing. Except Altuve, who li who literally had a, an excuse, and excuse my French, but had the literally had the balls today to sit up here and say, oh, I think we're going to win the World Series. You know, we got a pretty good team. Nobody gives a crap about the 2020 Astros and their World Series chances, Jose. Your team got caught red-handed cheating. Your manager got fired. Your GM got fired. And your owner got slept five million bucks. What is your thoughts on you guys cheating? And you guys being accused of using buses during Game Seven of the ALCS. What are your thoughts? Nobody gives a crap about the Astros right now, as far as it's 2020. What we give a crap about is what the Astros have done in the past that has put themselves at a higher, more competitive advantage than their opponents. Really, Jose? I I, I gotta sit here and stomach this crap. Your owner and your two, the guy that drafted you, and your owner and your boss, your supervisor, your agent, they all got the pink slip. And your owner got five, five million bucks. Everybody's talking about you from CNN, MSNBC, and ESPN. You've been, you've been, you know, I'm mean, knowing this, uh, you know, outside, unless you work for the NFL Network, no one this week has been talking about. The uh, the two football games. That this has been the main story. It's been the get that keeps on getting. Every single time you wake up, you turn around, read news headlines. More stuff's going up at the Astros. Well, well, again, where's Verlander? All all he does is he can't. You can't get every single time you turn around. Something he's got something to say out of his mouth. Where's his wife too? Where is she? I gotta sit up here and, and get taught a baseball lesson about about runners interference with Trey Turner in the World Series. Yeah, she can't give me your thoughts on this. She was being the headlights with the fan interference thing in the Red Sox series two years ago. Give me your thoughts on this. Spent five days. What are you waiting for? Have the guts. Show some courage. Be a man. Be an adult. And get in front of the camera and say, you know what, gosh darn it, we, we, we were wrong. We made a mistake. We made a mistake. We apologize to to the fans that you know the people we to the opponents that we've cheated out. You know to to the fans that paid money and saw fraudulent games being played. We apologize to our to our fans, our friends, our family. But we've we've heard none of that. All all I, all I've heard is players from Major League Baseball like Cody Bellinger and Aroldis Chapman saying that they should get the book thrown at them.
guys that are part of a players association. That if Manfred goes in hard on the players, their association is going to, is, is going to, them and Manfred, the league office, they're going to bang heads. The members of the old players association are telling the commissioner to practically go after players and their own players association. And I, and I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear in, in, in the middle of February, I don't want to hear in March, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear any point this season, all-star game, whatever the case might be, when the, when the Astros go to use, whatever case, in September, whatever the case might be, I don't want to hear not a single player sit up here and literally insult my intelligence and make up some bullcrap lie that they didn't know about it. If AJ Hens has to destroy a monitor, you know about it. Ain't that many people on a baseball team to begin with? The 25-man roster. Not football where it's 53. You play one game once a week. You play, you, you play the game from Sunday to Saturday. 25-man roster. From late March to September. Give me a, give, give me a break. I don't want to hear anybody avoiding any questions or making up stuff or deflecting blame a la, a la the GM who threw everybody under the bus. Hinch actually had the DC to take some responsibility. GM threw everybody under the bus. I don't want none of that. You sit there, be a man, and, and when your feet is held to the fire, respond. Don't be tap dancing around the issue. Address it head on. Face, face the be a man, be an adult, and face the music, and quit running away. Verlander, that means you. Bregman, that means you. Guriel, that means you. Correa, you. McCann, you. Reddick, you. Kate Upton, that means you. Someone in the Houston Nationals organization get in front of a microphone, get in front of the camera, look it square in the eye, and show some guts. Show some guts. And don't be Altuve giving us some crap about how you think the 2020 season is going to go for the Astros. Who gives a damn? You just got caught right-handed for cheating. Gee whiz. And then they got look at ESPN and basically vomit in my mouth because Jessica Mendoza, who you know, who has apparently has no sense of morales or has no sense or has no sense of you know standards, goes ahead and kills Mike Fires for basically being the 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 uh, the responsible and the courageous whistleblower that called the Astros out on this nonsense. Well, I, well I, I didn't like it because he called out guys for his own team. Shut up. Meanwhile, you work for ESPN and you're getting a check from the freaking Mets. Will Pond sit up here writing, writing you a check. And you're working for ESPN and giving me your thoughts. Will you shut up and kick rocks, will you please? Shut up. Shut up. What do you mean? That is the that is the decent thing to do.
that, 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 I mean, something, uh, oh my gosh. It didn't sit, go poke with it, it didn't sit well with me. Shut up and go kick rocks somewhere. He did the right thing. And if Fires didn't tell Rosenthal the ethic, this wouldn't even be a thing to begin with. They'd still be doing it. And you know, you know what, what makes this worse? Is that this cost somebody their job. Minor players that are trying to make it in baseball getting sent down and cut off the teams placed on waivers because of this nonsense. Joe Girardi got fired from the Yankees because of this. If the Astros ain't, don't cheat, they lose the series. Yankees are in the World Series and Girardi isn't, co isn't managing in Philadelphia. He's still in New York. And Aaron Boone is sitting up in, in the ESPN booth. And we're going to have to listen to Mendoza give us this nonsensical garbage and insult our intelligence. Members of the Astros, say something and have the balls. Seriously. It's a joke. More of the I'm telling like TIS right after this. Tell you, there'll be plenty of controversy in 2020 and beyond surrounding the Houston Astros. What a disgrace! I swear, what a disgrace! And again, I, when they when they get questioned at spring training, I don't want to hear any, you know, avoiding and in. I don't want to hear any avoiding or, or no tap dancing around the question. Be a man. Step up. Look, like look the camera straight in the eye. And say, you know what, we were wrong and it won't happen again. And ESPN should get Mendoza off the air ASAP for, for giving America, for basically giving a proverbial pile of crap to America and serving it and telling us it's chocolate pudding. What a disgrace. Anyway, back to the NFL to close out the program. With the two conference championship games to preview and look forward to, let's do the AFC game first because that game starts first. <sighs> I mean, it's everyone and their mother is picking Kansas City to win this game, which uh, it doesn't surprise me. And everybody and their mother, for the most part, expected the Ravens to beat Tennessee, but but Kansas City is a better team than uh, Baltimore, so you kind of have to take that with a grain of salt uh, to a certain degree. But, I mean, Tennessee, it would not shock me if Tennessee won, but I would definitely be surprised. I'd be surprised if, Kenneth, if Tennessee won tomorrow, not shocked. So, I mean, Tennessee, 
formula, keep Patrick Mahomes, keep Patrick Mahomes bottled up, apply pressure, try to, you know, rattle him early and see if that works. They worked with Brady, it worked with Lamar Jackson. Hope it works against Mahomes and offensively. Just you gotta keep pounding the rock with Derrick Henry and expect that when it's necessary, that Ryan Tannehill's gonna have to make a couple throws, uh, especially late in the game, to get it done. But I mean, if you're Tennessee, you've had you've had a great season, win or lose. So so if you lose this game, Tennessee got nothing to be ashamed. A nine and seven team that clinched the sixth seed in the playoffs in week seventeen made it all the way to the final four of the NFL, final two in the AFC, and is playing in a conference championship game. I mean, that's that's pretty damn impressive. And beating the New England and beating the GOAT and Belichick and Brady and the MVP most likely and Lamar Jackson to do it both on the road is also pretty impressive too. But I expect Kansas City to win the game, and I expect a, a nice championship-worthy performance from Patrick Mahomes. Uh, in the NFC Championship game, Green Bay, they haven't, and even in the Seahawks game, they have not yet put together a game where they have played outstanding winning football for 60 minutes. And they're going to have to if they expect to beat the San Francisco 49ers who have been flying high and really haven't hit a brick wall since they, realistically, since they lost to Atlanta back in early December, I want to say. But they, had, but since that, since when Atlanta stunned them on their home turf, they really haven't. They really haven't hit a brick wall. They've been flying high and been on fire for the majority of the 2019 season. They took care of business against Kirk Cousins and the Vikings at home, which. You know, which was a which was a given. Uh, you know, it was a given. I mean, let's let's be quite honest with you. Kirk Cousins isn't necessarily going to walk into Santa Clara and beat that Forty Nine er defense, and beat the Forty Nine ers period. But, but I mean, the for the Packers are going to have to play a perfect football game if they want to beat the Forty Nine ers. Who, you know, let's see if their magic takes them to Miami. I don't expect them to. I don't expect it to. I should say. But in this game, the way this season's going, you never know. So who knows? He could be looking at a rematch of Super Bowl One when it's all said and done, or have Kansas City and San Francisco for the first time in the history of the game. Uh, and in the in Wildcard Weekend, only one, only one. Uh, what was it? I think it was only one home team that won wild. Yeah, only one home team won wildcard weekend. That was the Texans. Only one, only one home team lost in divisional round weekend, and that was the Ravens. So, who knows? I mean, you could. I'd. I'd be shocked if the Super Bowl was Tennessee and Green Bay. I don't expect both road teams. So I don't expect a, a six and a two seed Super Bowl. And if we do get it, that game will not. I mean, they'll have it's the Super Bowl, of course. But you want to talk about a, a really yeah matchup? You know, Green Bay, who really hasn't been world beaters all year, going up against a going up against a Tennessee Titans team with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. You know, and if the game's late, and if you know if the game somehow some way is close down the stretch. You can pretty much book it that the Packers are going to win, but I mean you you can't go wrong in the NFC, but in the AFC, if you want a decent, if you want a nice Super Bowl, you have to have to 
one and root for Kansas City to make it in. You have to. But um, but it, I mean the first game, the first game, you know, I could see being a uh, a sort of a root or not really a competitive football game. Second game, second game, I expect to be competitive and close down to the stretch. And if you think, and if you think San Francisco is, you know, is uh, blowing out Green Bay again, I even if they win again, even if they, even if they win, even if they beat Green Bay on their home turf again, you're crazy to think if it's if it's going to be a blowout. But again, then again, this is the same guy that pretty much laughed in our little, you know, our pal, a friend of the show, Brendan's face via text message when he called for Derrick Henry to rush for over 200 yards and three touchdowns against the Ravens. So then again, you know, you never know. That's why you play the game on any given Sunday. You never know. But for the last time, well, when we have more than one game at least, but for the second to last time of the 2019 NFL season, and for the last time when you have more than one game in one week, you know, in in a weekend set of NFL games, I will give you my picks in a league where they play for the conference championship and a trip to go to Super Bowl and for pay. Game Number one, Tennessee and Kansas City. Kansas City's favorite at minus seven and a half at home. I will take Kansas City to win and be crowned for the first time in 50 years AFC champions. And Andy Reid will go back to the Super Bowl for the first time in 15 years. And the Chiefs will win by the final score of 31. 21. Green Bay and San Francisco. San Francisco also favorite minus seven and a half. But I'll take the road team to win in a thriller close one down the down to the end of down the stretch towards the end of the game. I will take Green Bay to win the game. 24-21. So I mean if you're sitting there, you know, I mean, enjoy it. This is really the last, you know. Last Sunday, with more than one NFL game on the schedule until uh, until next September, until uh, this upcoming September. So I mean, enjoy it while you have it. Uh, you know, football season. You blink and you're you bl- you blink once and you're sitting there at week eight. You blink a second time. You're sitting there. You're sitting there around thanks. You're sitting there around Thanksgiving. Around Thanksgiving time, and then you blink again. Season regular season's over, and then you blink again after that, and all of a sudden you're in the conference championship game, and then you blink again, and all of a sudden you're in the Super Bowl. So it really, it really goes by uh, super super fast. So enjoy it while you have it. I want to thank you for listening to another episode excuse me, of the I'm Until I Can Tell You podcast. If you're new to the program, like what you heard, like the show, be sure to subscribe, follow, and tweet yours truly on Twitter at the J Shield. Follow this podcast on Twitter at I'm Atel underscore it T-I-S. I'm your boy Josh Shields, everybody. Talk to you later. 
Enjoy the conference championship games. Have a good one. See you.